Hello, friends. I have a bit of news to share before we get into today's episode. Today marks one year of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. I published the first episode on February 1st, 2020, exactly one year ago. And I must say, I didn't know what to expect. I started this thing because there was a podcast that I was dying to listen to that didn't exist. So I decided to make it, but I didn't know if anyone would be interested. Here we are, a year and 53 episodes later, and I'm fairly blown away by the response to this thing. Thousands of you are tuning in every week, and I get messages from you guys about the podcast or specific episodes just about every day. It really sounds like these conversations are helping a lot of you, either with motivation or specific training info or simple human connection, something many of us have been lacking and craving this past year. And that is incredibly cool and much more than I had hoped for at the start of this thing. If you are familiar with my story or have poked around on the website, you will know that I was an engineer prior to doing this. I managed to save up enough money to buy a van and hit the road and climb and work on this podcast. And at this point, my savings account is still my main source of income. Many of you have helped out already, and I can't thank you enough but there's still quite a ways to go before this podcast is financially sustainable. If you are new to the podcast, no need to support it just yet. Please enjoy it for free and share your favorite episodes with your friends. On the other hand, if you have been listening for a while and you feel like you have gotten some value out of the podcast, I could use your support. The best way to do that is to become a patron for $5 per month. You can think of it as buying me a beer once a month after an especially good episode. And in exchange, you'll get access to follow-up conversations. So hopefully that feels like a win-win. I very much doubt you will notice the $5 missing from your account each month. But if enough of you do it, it actually adds up remarkably fast and goes a long way to sustaining this podcast. You can find everything you need to know at thenuggetclimbing.com. There's an orange support the podcast button at the top. There should also be a direct link to my Patreon page in your episode feed. So if you want to help out, you're just one click away right there in your podcast app. Okay, on to today's episode. This is part two of my conversation with John Glassberg. In part two, we got very much into the weeds with training. We talked about flexibility training and how John improved his splits to be able to reach the heel hooks on the big island. We also talked about how John uses the moon board and why he thinks it is such a good tool for learning how to execute and how that carries over to outdoor bouldering. John mentioned in the episode that he's climbed all but six of the moon board benchmark problems. And if you've ever touched a moon board, you will know how ridiculously impressive that is. We also talked about some of the testing he did with Steve Mache, 
got more into his hangboard routine and John gave some examples of a training day and how he would structure a six-week training block and how those blocks might fit into his year. Anyway, a lot of good stuff in this one. Not just a training episode. It's a good mix of stuff. Please enjoy part two with John Glassberg. I would love to circle back to a couple of training things that you mentioned. Totally. Let's get into it. Let's start with the flexibility. Yeah. Because this is something that I'm getting way more interested in in committing time to. Yeah. And same thing, splits, working on like really wide, being able to do really wide stems, wide heels, stuff like that. Yep. What did that look like? What did that um, that flexibility training or practice look like for you? My mentor was <laughs> Jessica Talley, uh-huh. my dancer, my future wife. <laughs> yeah. Who is, uh, yeah, like Jess was, you know, in ballet and in, you know, jazz and all that stuff when she was younger. And also like when you hear about like people in gymnastics and stuff, they just like learn splits early on at like a really young age and they get their flexibility early on. And it's just like, it's just pain and suffering. Mm. Like you just do your routine, your coach or your teacher or whoever it is that's like working you out will like come and like sit on your butt while you're in a split and just like sit there for a minute or two Hmm. and you'll just go to your, your, your pain cave. Damn. And these kids like learn how to do splits, like in gymnastics and in dance. And it's crazy. Like, I mean, Jess describes it as like this really painful, memorable process where it was like, this hurts, this sucks, but it works. Uh Like if you want to do splits, that's like what you do. And like, there's different things that she would have me do. I mean, she thinks it's hilarious what I can't do. (laughs) And like, she oftentimes like, will like push me into a split position of some kind, some sort of training, like split scenario, Mm -hmm. like butt against the wall, legs up on the wall. And then you like open them laying on your back. Yeah. Laying on your back. Okay. And I'll like start to do it and she'll like push me into it. And she'll be like, wait, what? She's like, that's all you've got. Like, (laughs) like let yourself do more. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Like <laughs> I've got nothing here. I'm starting at zero. So it's like, a, I don't know. It's really funny. She like doesn't get it because she can do the splits in like both directions. Okay. when She like trains for it or if like she's like dancing a lot. So like she doesn't understand my plight. You know what I mean? Like I cannot do anything flexible at all. Like, yeah. Like I literally can barely touch my toes. So when she was like teaching me, she was basically like, you just go in these positions and you hold them. So like, like the frog, like it's almost like you're in like downward dog where you're like leaning forward, but your mm. legs are on the ground. Okay. So you do like the frog thing for a while. Okay. You hold that position and then there's like different ways to like level up from that. Okay. And like legs against the wall, like out wide on your back. Okay. Um, I'll share uh, visuals for these in the show notes for people. Yeah, totally. There's yeah. like a bunch. I mean, you could Google... 20 different videos on how to like do the splits. Mm -hmm. Like people get really into it and they get like psyched on trying to do the splits. I think I've always wanted like a protocol. Yeah. You know, like every day, how many days per week, how long do I hold things? All the time. It's Uh like all the time. Like we would do it in the morning and the evening. Huh? I would do it before and after every session climbing like hours 
damn it takes hours and hours and hours like every all day. the time every day and it takes months for sure months <laughs> god that's why i've never <laughs> that's why i'm all jealous of these like gymnastics kids and these dancer kids because they yeah. they basically like at a young age are and and they're malleable too when they're yeah, young you know yeah. but they're just like they're just in it like they're doing their split training from like age three as dancers or whatever mm-hmm. you know they're like getting good at it from an early age and then that translates like you know jess is in her 30s and she can still do it like it doesn't go away Mm. unless you have a back injury or something crazy (laughs) but like yeah you just get better and better at it Hmm. and how long would you hold each position as long as i could tolerate it it was so painful damn it's crazy painful like you do it for five minutes four minutes wow i would just like set a timer and like watch tv okay and try and like distract myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like you know read or something like anything to distract yourself from the pain because it totally sucks and is it totally static or are you like moving your hips around and it was all static okay okay you use the weight of your legs to kind of like open you up Uh uh-huh and there's like all kinds of different stuff like there's a lot of ones where you're like kind of lunging standing basically and like where you put your knee on the ground like on a towel and you grab your foot and you pull it up too. There's like all these different things. Like if you just <laughs> Google like any YouTube video, okay, like there's endless instructional videos on how to like get better at it. Mm-hmm. The the main thing is like if you want to get better at it, you have to like really want to get better at it because <laughs> you basically have to like dedicate a huge portion of your life to it. Yeah. Like if you're already interested in getting better at climbing to add in the normal routine pt stuff that you would do to like Mm. make sure that you're you know not going to get injured Mm -hmm. and the like you know you're cooking for yourself you're you're trying to get enough sleep like you add in split training like oh my god dude it's just like where's the time yeah like you just don't have time i wonder if i can train splits and work on editing podcasts at the same time you can definitely do a lot of stuff whilst in a split position (laughs) just look up gonna be the key yeah just find something that you can like get out of your head huh. and like not think about the pain damn because it's really painful man i was like i was kind of like at one point i was just like this is dumb yeah i was like i don't really need to climb the island <laughs> this bad <laughs> like this like sucks so bad like this is not worth it but just is like totally fine because she can already do the splits right she's just like laughing at me dude it's, it was heinous <laughs> how much did you improve a lot i know it's hard to like a lot actually i think i i actually trained for it like all the time doing some sort of split type stretching Mm -hmm. um for maybe six months okay like pretty often i would skip like some days or whatever and just like not do it or whatever or i'd be shooting or working and not really be doing it but Mm -hmm. six months of like kind of like trying to get better at it and i probably gained maybe eight inches of flexibility Mm. in my, in my like heel hooking split. Mm -hmm. And I could tell exactly how much it was because I knew from the Island, like what my max was. Mm. Cause I literally felt like I was being ripped in half (laughs) before I like trained splits. And then I learned the like better. And I was like, Oh, this is what it feels like. (laughs) Like there's this dude, um, this Dutch climber named Michael. Okay. Who is, who has climbed the Island. And, he, you know, he's climbed a bunch of really hard stuff. He's an amazing climber. But he can do the splits. Okay. And he's, like, pretty tall. He's, like, 6'1 or so. But really, like, like lanky and flexible and just, like, amazing climber. And I had talked to him because I talked to a bunch of my friends about, like, what's it going to take to climb the island? Like, 
tell me how to do it. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I can get in that split. Like, no problem. And like, I watched the video of it. And I'm like, oh, my God. He's like so easily doing those like split moves. Like hmm. it was like so obvious that he had the flexibility to do it. And I was like, oh, OK, I see like I have I see the goal. Hmm. Like I know what's possible if you can do it. So I was like, that was the goal. Hmm. And I, Yeah, I think at first I was at probably like I could get into the heels, but it was like splitting me in half. <laughs> And then, like, when I came back, I, I literally had, like, four inches on either side of, like, leeway wow. to get into it. So, I was, like, noticeably better at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. You got to want it really bad, man. <laughs> it's not going to come easy, especially, like, how old are you? 31. 31. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> if you hadn't trained it when you were a kid, man, you are you have a long road. Because I was there, dude. <laughs> it was rough. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen until I have a project like the island was for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or just, like, if you... Because your project is doing the splits, then make that your project. And it's not, you know, like, yeah, it, yeah it'd be cool, but yeah. like, whatever. It'd yeah. Not, it wouldn't be worth six months of hours a day. Oh, it's just definitely to- going to take more than six months to go from your current state, which I would imagine is not hyper flexible. Right. To, <laughs> to full splits. Full splits. Fair enough. Very legit. Yeah. Yeah. So, man. I you can know. get there. I'm not saying it's impossible, but. Because that's where I'm at. It's like, I, I never notice it holding back my climbing. Yeah. But I see people take advantage of better, you know, better mobility and flexibility all the time. Like, oh, I, they, they can use that stem or use that wide foot that I can't use. And it's probably easier that way. I don't think you need to train splits. Hmm. Honestly, like I, I think you'd be better off like getting better at climbing in a small box. Hmm. For example, like really high bunchy feet. Yeah. Like positions. I have spent like the majority of my climbing career, like climbing in a pretty small box. I made it a point when I was younger to like, to not just be like the tall guy that could reach through shit and like climb mm. hard stuff because he was tall. Mm-hmm. I've climbed a lot of like really bunchy hard boulders. Like I just got better at getting my feet really high and like climbing in a really small box and like, you know, getting tight into stuff and like climbing on steep stuff like smaller climbers do. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I might be tall, but I definitely emulate the the smaller climbers because they're the they're the best. Hmm. Like the best climbers in the world are all of a certain size for a reason, you know. Yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know. It just like started to. I think once you decide that you're not just gonna like take you know pick the low hanging fruit, and you try to like work your weaknesses, which is something that the moon board is like amazing for, hmm. then you like start to realize that like you can unlock a lot of potential just from like core. And a little bit of like flexibility or a little bit of small box climbing and just like, you know, beating your head against the wall until it becomes your style. Mm. Like mm. the moon board is like totally changed my world. So let's come back to that. Cause earlier you talked about, you, you mentioned this distinction between just like climbing boulders in the gym versus training. Yeah. But it sounds like when you say training, you're still bouldering. Yeah. So I'd love to hear how you, th- how you approach a training bouldering session let's say in a commercial gym where there's a moon board and whatever. yeah i think one major distinction is that climbing on boulders in the gym whether it's your home gym or if you're traveling and you just stop into a gym yeah if you're just climbing on set boulders by the local route setter there is nothing quantifiable about that just Mm. because it says v9 or v10 or v11 on the tag means nothing Mm. and you have no way to to know if that grade 
is a level up for you or not. Mm -hmm. You can't quantify your improvement in any way whatsoever with bouldering in the gym, just normally. Mm -hmm. That's why the moon board, tension board, kilter board are sick because you can always make, you can replicate the exact same climb. Sometimes you can mirror it, which is sweet too. Mm -hmm. I don't do a ton of mirroring, but basically you're able to, you're able to quantify things way better and you can see your improvement. So one thing that I did, and this is another mesh thing, is on the moon board specifically, I did a ton of moon boarding. So on the moon board, I would basically, um, you try to do your 10 hardest climbs in a session. Mm -hmm. So, and you don't get to level up until you've done six of a grade at your maximum grade. So let's say Jesus. I'm doing, uh, let's say like V11 on the moon board is my max. Okay. I don't get to even try V12 until I've done six 11s and four 10s in a session. Wow. So, or in more normal terms, like V7, let's say, like I would do six V7s and four uh, V6s before I would even try a V8. Okay. And then I would start trying V8s until I was basically adding in enough V8s until I was basically doing six V8s and four V7s. And then I would start trying nines. <laughs> and when you do that in a training block, you start to see, cause I, I would just like, I would on a piece of paper, I would have like a little grid and you just make a hash mark mm-hmm. every time you climb a V7, you make a hash mark and then you climb a V8, you make a hash. And then you see your day of hash marks. And then the next day you do that same training, you see your hash marks start to migrate farther and farther down as you start to do more and more of mm. the grade of those climbs. Mm. And you sometimes you do repeats. Most of the time you're not. Mm-hmm. And you just end up trying to find like... Most of the time you're not. So you're doing mostly new boulders. I try to do new boulders. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you, these aren't like... You don't have them on lock until you're doing more of them in a session necessarily. Yeah. And then sometimes like as you start to like get into the harder grades on Moonboard, it kind of starts to suck. Uh-huh. And you kind of have to repeat some stuff because there's like a lot of the like really, really hard stuff is like kind of whack. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of really weird moves, especially for the non uh, benchmark climbs that aren't like really like certified by the mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. There's like every now and then you're like, whoa, this is like totally whack. Mm. Like it's like a really specific single move or it's like perfect for a certain size mm. or something. It just like gets weird. Sure. But like if you're using like the full collection of everything, you kind of have to be like, honest with yourself you're like is that really v10 mm-hmm. if it is then like sure mark it as v10 but if you think it's a nine like kind of make a note mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever but either way you start to see your like 10 max climbs in a day start to migrate up and up and up in the grade scale mm-hmm. and it's like very quantifiable that like, sounds so motivating it's so motivating yeah. it's so awesome and you're also doing like your fingerboard workout that day and you're doing like a core routine at the end and you're like you're probably doing your split training. Like you're doing all this stuff, right? Yeah. Like you just start to get, you become just a monster. Dude, that's amazing. like a six hour session or something. Yeah. Many, many, like four or five, six hour sessions. Jesus. Yeah. But like I would split it up. So I would also like throw in a campus routine or something too. Hmm. And I would do early, early morning. Like if I was going to do like a big day, I would split it with like an eight or 10 hour rest in between. Huh. So I would like campus at like 7am. Mm-hmm. I would do an hour long campus because you don't need a lot and you want to be at your max. So you campus for an hour at seven, you go to work until five. And then from like five to nine or whatever, you just do your second workout basically. Okay. And it doesn't feel like a lot cause it's all power and there's a lot of rest. Tons of rest. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you're doing your 10 best boulders in a day, you're not falling very much because you're like, you're there to win, you know, 
Like you're there to like send your boulders. How many attempts on average in, in that kind of session? Probably not more than three per, per climb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you might pick like a project or two that you start to like pick away at uh-huh. so that eventually you can like get it and put it into your group of uh-huh. your climbs for the day. But it was crazy, dude. I, I like, I eventually did like all the climbs. Like I have like six benchmarks left total. Damn. Yeah. Like I did like everything just because I was like just doing them all, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Like you have in your mind, you're like, oh, it's like moonboard. It's like hard, you know, like it's meant to be tweaky, like whatever. You just get better at it. Mm. And you just like, you keep throwing, banging your head against the wall and you just start getting better and better and better at it. And you start to think like, cause you, you probably have a grade in mind on the moonboard where you're like, I don't think I could climb that grade. Mm-hmm. But once you start, putting all these climbs down and you start doing them day after day after day. And sometimes they're repeats. That's fine. But then you start to realize like, oh yeah, I can definitely climb V11 on the moon board. And then you're like, oh my God, I can climb V12 on the moon board. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and then you just like start doing them. Hmm. And it's like, it's a cool feeling. Cause then you, you also learn the distances that you're capable of and the holds that you're capable of. Huh. And you, you just get really familiar with the grips and you get really familiar with the body positions and what you know you can do and can't do. And I don't know. It's like a cool game. It's like a fun game. Yeah. And at the same time, you're becoming a total freak, <laughs> Yeah, which is awesome. How well does it trans- transfer to outdoor climbing? I think it transfers really well because it teaches you to execute, hmm. which I think is huge. I do love that about the moon board. You're, you're yeah. very often in like the wrong position and yeah. you just have to f- deal with it. Like yeah, that's totally. what you get and you just have to do the move anyway. Yep. And you have to, you have to execute without thinking. And mm-hmm. that's what I like about the moon board a lot is like, you don't, you don't set up for a move and think about it. Mm. You set up for a move and you do it. Mm. And if you don't like really swing into a move or you really try really hard, like your absolute max on a move, you're not going to do it, mm. especially if it's at your limit. Mm-hmm. So like one thing that I've noticed from just doing tons of moon boarding is like, if you hesitate, you fail typically. Mm. And that's something that really pays off in outdoor climbing. Cause if you hesitate in outdoor climbing at your limit, you also fail. Mm. And if you, if you think you can do something and you know, you can do something, you just execute it. And that's something that you learn from moonboard. I've watched like my friends also go through this. Like they just get better at executing mm. because of moonboard, because you just have to send, you have to do the move. And it's like, you're either on or you're off. Like it's, it's awesome. It's like <laughs> a perfect way to train your hesitation, like away. Mm. Hmm. which I think is really valuable. Plus it makes you have fingers of steel because all the things are like kind of tweaky and weird and like nothing is perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get to that because earlier you were talking about the Steve Mache kind of maxing protocol. Yeah. And then I was a little confused about the repeaters that you do after that, but then it sounds like you're also moonboarding in that same session and then doing core and stuff. So, So how does all this... Uh, yeah. How are you thinking about combining these things in a session? And then like, how does that fit within like a week and trial and error over the course of like many years of like dialing in what works for me. Okay. So like definitely it would not work for you exactly the way that I'm doing it. Sure. But the way that Mesh kind of gave me ideas was to essentially give me things that I can do in blocks. So like a campus routine Mm -hmm. and then having a campus routine and a hangboard routine and a moonboard routine and, you know, a core workout 
just gives you all these different little building blocks. Mm. And then you can decide how you want to ratchet up your system, your, your day of, you know, will I add campusing and moonboarding and core today? Or did that feel like it was too much last time? And it gave me diminishing results. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like also being able to like figure out where you can exist in that like maximum training state without a getting injured or B not really being like not, not being psyched, but also like not being able to like do the things. Cause if you can't do them, I mean, another thing to totally side note is this is like a bouldering specific thing. Yeah. This is not sport climbing. Yeah. So like I was training to like be the most powerful raw boulderings power I could get. That mm -hmm. was what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So like, this was a bouldering training program and I was like only interested in climbing hard boulders of like six to eight moves basically. Mm -hmm. But like once you have those building blocks, once you have a really good hang protocol to work off of or a moon board or a campus or a whatever core, then you can start, you know, adding and removing to your liking. And typically the schedule for me that I found that worked was one weekend day. I would either climb outside or I would climb in the gym and I would try and do a ton of volume. So the weekend would be like outdoor projecting day, trying my hardest on a project outside after, you know, a Thursday, Friday rest day, hmm. or just a Friday rest day, depending on how severe the week is. And if I was indoors because it was raining or bad conditions or whatever, I would just do volume. So I would do like an hour of um, uh, 20 boulders, I would try and climb 20 boulders in a pyramid up to my hardest and then down again. These are like in the commercial gym. Yeah. Yeah. And you just kind of ballpark it. Like okay. it's not the end of the world if you don't nail it. But like you find out what your in a day max is in the gym and you try and find like, you know, maybe one grade below that for your top of your pyramid. And then you do like nine problems leading up to it um, in incremental grade. Mm -hmm. And then you do your one at the top of the pyramid. Then you come all the way back down again in grades and you try and do it in an hour. It's like a really good endurance, power endurance challenge because hmm. you get destroyed. It's really fun <laughs> actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're also running around the gym like a psycho. It's great. <laughs> um, and then, so that would be like an alternative to like an outdoor climbing project day. But then like the weeks would be uh, either a hard week would be a Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, big training days, or an easy week would be just a Wednesday. Okay. And it would basically be, um, I mean, you're training power. So you don't want to be like powered down when you're doing the training. So you kind of need to build into it and with tons of rest for everything. Like it's all about like maximum effort, most powerful effort you can give at your most powerful. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, a moonboard session might last like four hours because you're just like, you're resting a lot. Mm -hmm. You're like taking your time. You're like being tactical. You're, it teaches you to like engage more and be more like smart about your climbing. So like maybe 30 total attempts. Yeah. But just over hours and hours. Yeah. Okay. And then you also, at the end, you can plug in a core workout or you can, you know, do some PT stuff or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like it, you basically just, we would do test days at the beginning of a training cycle, which usually lasted six weeks. Okay. And the test day helps you find your maximum everything, max pull up with weight, max uh, bench press if you're doing a weighted routine we would do like bench flies i was doing a bunch of like flies for compression strength oh, okay. and stuff like that there was like a whole weight room element as well real but, quick where did that fit in in the timeline of the day <clears throat> uh after finishing all the climbing stuff. okay 
Gotcha. So like, for example, a, a day would be you have a campus routine and you have a hangboard hanging routine, essentially. And those two are interchangeable. So you could do Tuesday could be hangboard in the morning, rest all day. Evening, you do your max boulders, um, your max 10 boulders on the moon board, and then you do a core workout. Mm. Or your Thursday could be campus routine in the morning, moon board workout, core routine. Or if you're too tired, you don't do the core, mm. whatever. It's mm-hmm. like whatever your body tells you. Mm. And then, you know, there's a bunch of other routines that we would do on existing boulders in the gym. So like you could take, uh, uh, I'm just trying to remember exactly how this works. So you could do like, um, let's say there's a V10 in the gym that you've got dialed. You could do repeaters on the V10 um, Hmm. because it's all about quantifiability. So everything has to be something you can like see your level go up. Mm -hmm. So like. It's hard in the gym if your bull, if your route setters are changing the routes a lot. Within a six week cycle, if you lose your V10, that's like your your benchmark. Then you're like, oh, I don't have anything to like measure up against anymore. But you would do five bolt. You choose five boulders in the gym. For me, it would be like three nines, two tens, and an eleven. And I would do um, within a five minute block. I would give it two send attempts. Hmm. So I would do like the nine at minute zero, and then I would do the nine again, that same nine at, you know, minute four or five. Mm-hmm. And then I would rest for five minutes and then I would go to the next climb and do the same thing again. Almost like a bouldering comp. It's so. almost like a comp. Yeah. yeah. Huh. But it just, it just depletes you over time. And then uh-huh. it, it teaches you to execute and it teaches you to tr- like remain in the m- climbing moment for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you would go and do your core routine or you would like start with your hangboard. You'd go do your repeaters on the boulders and then you do your core. So like you just have all these elements and different things you could play with. We would also do uh, a ton of weighted stuff, like tons okay. of weighted bouldering. So huh. like one thing that's really nice is if you have a 10-pound weight vest, like one of those skills weight vests, basic whatever 10-pound weight vest, mm-hmm. if your climbing gym doesn't set hard enough for you, one really easy way to bring boulders to your level is to put 10 pounds on your back and try and climb V8 if you climb V10, let's say. Mm-hmm. And usually, most times at commercial gyms, harder setting is harder to do well. So I find that like, if you are trying a, if, if you go to a commercial gym- Oh, I see where you're going with this. And you're getting on like a, a V12 at the yeah. commercial gym, it's usually going to be kind of whack. Okay. Very rarely are they good. There's Plenty of gyms out there that kill it and that make awesome boulders all the uh-huh, time. Uh-huh. But very rarely will you find like really good V12s. There's like one setter that almost climbs V12 right. and he like right. said something crazy. But there might be like a ton of really cool V9s. Uh-huh. So if you have a 10 pound weight vest, you slap your weight vest on and then suddenly these V9s are really hard. <laughs> and that's a great way to train. Huh. So like another thing that we would do a ton of is kind of like max moves. Okay. So you would pick a section of a climb. That was like at your absolute max. And if it wasn't at your max, you put a weight vest on. And you're trying to find a variety of different angles to do your five boulders on. But you try to find a roof, a face, a gentle overhang, maybe like a squeeze thing. Um, never any vert because who cares? Like vert doesn't matter with a weight vest. Doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. It makes like, your toes hurt. Yeah, it makes your feet hurt. <laughs> and it hurts when you fall. Um, but like basically you're, you're trying to find your absolute maximum for three or four moves. Mm. So you're like able to do it, but it's like everything you have to stay on the wall for the entirety of the climb. 
Mm -hmm. um, and you do the same thing that five minute, um, two tries within five minutes. We would also do like projecting days. So like if the gym sets hard enough for you to project, then we would also like pick a project and just like actually treat it like an outdoor project and project on it. Two hours of just like assaulting your hardest boulder, mm -hmm. which sounds like kind of lame, but you end up eventually doing the climbs usually. Mm -hmm. And you also realize that you can do climbs mm. that you didn't think you could do. Mm. So like if V9 is your max, like pick a 10 or an 11, that's like way outside of your wheelhouse mm -hmm. and just like throw yourself at it. And if you project it over the six or eight weeks that it's probably going to be set for in the gym, mm -hmm. typically if you're training and you're in that mode, you'll do it. Hmm. I, I find that at least. And then also like you notice in your, in your weeks in a six week training block, and I have no idea if this works for other people. This is just something that worked for me. <laughs> well, this context is fascinating. So yeah, yeah, super yeah. So like in a six week training block, like you're only doing probably two hard weeks. So only two of the six weeks are actually like full on because huh. you're you're like so depleted at the end. You can't really like recover. Okay. Like you you might do you know week one might be your training or your um. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, your test day, mm -hmm. which is very hard because it's maximum everything. Mm -hmm. um, so your training, your your test day is is a really important day that really kicks your ass. But then that that first week might be like just a Wednesday is your training day, mm -hmm. and then you're resting two days on either side and doing something on the weekend. But then full rest. Yeah, 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 definitely no, no climbing the at all. Bouldering game is all about rest. Yeah, yeah. Like you might like go like on a hike. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, this is so interesting because these days when you first started talking about all these components that you're including in a, you know, in a two a day session, I'm like, Jesus Christ, all this in a day. But it's literally w either one training day in the week or yeah. two. Yeah. And that's and it. And weekend then, days. And then Whatever one you're day on a weekend. capable of on the weekend. Yeah. So like it, when I was in my 20s, I could easily climb two days on, one day off mm -hmm. all the time. But now... I'm lucky if I get day on, day off mm -hmm. and it feels good. Oftentimes I'm day on, two days off, day on. Mm. So like, it just depends on you, like your mm -hmm. body, what you're capable of, how quickly you recover, how good your diet is, mm -hmm. like how much rest you're getting. Like if you're a pro climber and that's all you're doing, then you just find your, your space and you realize what, you know, your rest needs to be and what your training days need to be. Have you, <clears throat> have you or Steve ever experimented with taking those same building blocks and doing like one of them each day, you know, going day on, day on, day off, for example. I don't know. I bet keeping, you Steve has. Keeping the sessions shorter versus like a massive day and including everything. I bet you Steve has. Okay. I, I Yeah. He's, he should definitely, you should definitely talk to him. Yeah. That'd be He's interesting. really interesting. Yeah. And he's like all into the science of it and stuff. He knows okay. everything. But like one thing that he was really interested in that he gave us a lot of critical feedback on, like when, do you know Danny Shavaro? No. He's another friend of mine that I trained with a bunch. Him and I first started together on this training program. And one of the test day activities is there's a few different things you do during your test day that kind of give you a lot of feedback for him as a coach. Let's say if Steve is your coach. Okay. One of them is um, equal rest climb repeaters on the moon board. So I would pick, you pick like two grades below your max. So I would pick like a V8 or a V9, right? On the moon board. And you climb it, and the amount of time that it takes for you to climb it 
you rest for that amount of time and then you get back on the wall and you climb again and you rest for that amount of time and you get back on the wall and you so do like that until you fall 10 or 15 seconds or something or yeah it usually ends up being like 20 seconds okay -ish. but you're basically climbing a v9 as many times as you can with 20 seconds of rest in between mm -hmm. and that number wherever that number is will tell you a lot about your power endurance your recovery like you can just analyze a lot from that. The number being how many you do. Yeah. Like I think a V9, I would usually be able to do like seven or eight times. Jesus. <laughs> with 30 seconds or 25 seconds of rest. Yeah. But that would then tell Steve like, whoa, you have like really good power endurance. Relative which I did. To, relative to your absolute strength. Relative to my maximum strength. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he would be like, oh, so if that's the case, you need to be like projecting more hmm. or you need to be like your actual level is way higher. But mm. then he might see that like my max pull up with my you know maximum weight was low relative to my body size. Mm. And he'd be like, well, that means that, you know, your levers are longer. So you're going to have a little bit more problem with that. But it also means you're not that strong in your like big muscles. Mm. And like, you just like learn all these little things. And then he basically just analyzes what's your weaknesses are mm -hmm. and you don't spend any time working on your strengths because you don't need to because mm. you already have those as your strengths they're just going to get better so you just focus on your weaknesses because that's what makes you better mm. it's it's hard to deal with because you feel like <laughs> yeah. you suck all the time right but it does that's make training. you way better that's training yeah, yeah. like i think like <laughs> I, I think like it's it's misleading to think that you're just going to jump right in and do a campus session in the morning, rest all day absolutely, and then do two big sessions in the evening yeah. and then rest the day and then do it again on Thursday. Like it took a long time to I'm glad realize that. that we got to that point. <clears throat> right. You have to work up to that work capacity. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, your first capacity, your first day campusing, you're going to be learning it for yourself anyway, too. Like you're going to learn what works, what doesn't work, what your maxes are, what your, your weaknesses are. Like I really wanted to do, um, one five nine. So I like, started doing like one five nine training basically on the campus board every time I would do a campus routine. And I like just could not do it. Hmm. Like I'm tall and I'm lanky and long and I still can't do one five nine. Like I have a friend, this guy named Tim who climbs in Boulder. He's like six, four mm -hmm. and he's got crazy arm span. He can do like one five, nine and a half, like no problem, mm -hmm. like all day long. Cause he's just, he's tall and strong. And like, I, for some reason I could never do it. And it was like driving me crazy. And I, some days I would get like close and other days I would be like nowhere near it. And that's just like fine hmm. because it's all relative to like the bigger training block. Like you could be on a hard week and you're doing a campus workout and you're just going to suck, hmm. but that's fine. You just got to go and do the work. Hmm. Like that's a huge takeaway that I learned from these training cycles is that you might feel like you're getting nothing out of it, but then you rest for like three days or four days after like a big six week session. Mm -hmm. And you're like, a monster <laughs> you're like oh my god like to yourself mm -hmm. you're like oh my god i'm like totally different yeah and you feel like i i think as you get stronger and stronger and stronger your noticeable improvements get much smaller and smaller and smaller sure and so when you see an improvement as like a v13 or a v14 climber you're like oh my god mm -hmm. this is a big deal mm -hmm. and like you start to just notice your the way that you move is more powerful or more intentional, or I don't know, you might climb like an idiot for a couple of weeks because you're more powerful. Like one thing that I noticed is like, <laughs> if I was planning to go to Rocklands, let's say, and I wanted to do a six week training program up to that trip, I would budget 
a week of just like basically doing nothing but just like climbing in the gym on some stuff to like relearn how to climb. Because if you're just fingerboarding all the time and you're just climbing on the moon board and you're just campusing, you just like become an idiot. Like you, you can't use your body. It's right. super weird. Like you pull on like you pull on the wall and you immediately like smash your elbow or whatever because you're so strong, you know, like you just power through things and you just you just hurt yourself or you do stupid stuff. Uh-huh. You, le- you forget your technique because you're stronger than your technique is. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. You just budget an extra week in there to like get better before your trip. And then you're like, mm. oh, now I remember how to climb. That's also a great taper. That's yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And you can kind of temper your, your strength. Cause you, you're not going to lose it in like a week, right. especially if you're just climbing in the gym, like on whatever boulders. Yeah. Like, or if you go out and like have a little proj, like local proj, yeah. you can go try your proj, whatever, like, just like learn how to climb again after you've like gained all this strength. Cause you're going to climb kind of differently. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I've got, I think, three questions from this. So okay. the first one is, how many of these six-week cycles might you do in a year? Like, how do they fit into the larger framework of your climbing in a year? I was using a six-week cycle before I would do usually a month-long trip somewhere. Okay. So, like, or a three-week trip. So, like, before I went to Font, before I went to Rocklands, before I went to Switzerland, I would do, like, you know, a six-week cycle before that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's really important in this whole conversation is if you don't have a good partner to do this with, it's really hard to do alone. Hmm. (laughs) Really, really hard. I found that like- As far as like suffering and- Just just, suffering. Yeah. Or, and they don't have to be the same strength as you at all. Strength is irrelevant because your training mechanisms level you out. It's all scalable. It's all scalable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It wouldn't matter if my, like Jess would do some training with us. Yeah. And she climbs, you know, V3. Uh Uh-huh. V5, like on, you know, her projects. Yeah. So like she could do the training with me, Mm -hmm. but it would be at her level and Mm -hmm. it would be scalable. So like if you don't have someone to do it with and you don't have the motivation of a trip or like the motivation of a project, Mm -hmm. it can get like pretty dark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It can be sad (laughs) because you're just like toiling, you know, alone. Mm -hmm. It just, it's a bummer. Mm -hmm. So like, that's one major thing that's nice to have in the back of your mind. Like, even if you have just someone that's psyched to be in the gym with you, to put in the work on their own objective, that's all that matters. But yeah, I would do maybe, I think the most I ever did in a year was four. Okay. I think. But you, you're like wrecked afterwards. Sure. And then you want to go climbing on like your trip. Yeah. And then when you get back from your trip, you're not like, oh, I'm going to dive right back into and another sh- training session. You shouldn't. You probably and you shouldn't. shouldn't. Yeah. 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 What, yeah. What does that transition look like? Do you take some a couple weeks off or? Sometimes. I uh, never take weeks off, but I would take like uh, oh, weeks off from training. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But not weeks off from climbing. Like okay. You just keep climbing. Yeah. But you also have to kind of ride the motivation a little, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you have to, if you're not psyched, like don't do it. Mm-hmm. You got to like want it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like when you're five weeks in, you, if you don't want it anymore, it's really obvious. Yeah. And then you like, will get hurt, you know, cause you'll be like doing it because you don't want to do it and you're not psyched and you're kind of like half-assing it. Yeah. And I think that's when people get like really tweaked. Okay. Next question is the, I want to return to the maintenance fingerboarding. So you mentioned Steve coached you that, um, two 30 minute sessions a week was enough to maintain finger strength. Yeah. Do you do that pretty much all year round when you're not in one of these training blocks or what does that look if like? If I'm not climbing at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like we, like I went on a trip, like, um, I did a shoot at Mount Everest last year. Okay. And we were there for like six weeks or five weeks. And I basically didn't climb at all uh-huh. for five weeks. And it was like 
literally nothing no fingerboard literally nothing at all okay and like it was hard to like come back from that like yeah. i hadn't really taken that much time off almost ever yeah. even when i've like injured fingers i've still climbed through it yeah so like that was hard but like it probably took me two weeks of like feeling like i sucked to get like back to a, a respectable level for right myself. right right so like it doesn't take long if you like i don't think you actually like lose it lose it you mm-hmm. still have it there somewhere in you. You have the technique for sure. It's like riding a bike. When you're like physical tissues are adapting and those yeah. don't just unadapt. Yeah. You just weeks. get it. Like yeah. you just, it's, uh, you Tendons just get more dense and you have to expect a few gym days that are going to be pretty demoralizing. Okay. <laughs> and that's totally fine. Yeah. But if like, I don't know if like your job requires that you, you know, are away from any sort of training device, then yeah, like you're not going to lose it entirely. You just might take a little bit more to get back mm-hmm. but you can definitely get back mm-hmm. um but the like just putting a fingerboard up and doing like something even just like campusing across on like all the different grips mm. just doing something mm-hmm. makes a huge difference to like activate your fingers okay. like you're not going to gain anything mm-hmm. you're not going to get stronger but i do think you do like kind of find a baseline mm. that you don't like dip below mm-hmm. which is nice okay yeah. So you don't stress about it or structure it too much. You... No, but I'm also not like a full-time professional climber. Uh-huh. Like if I was a full-time climber and that's all I did, then yeah, I would stress about it. <laughs> <laughs> I would be worried about like how much I weighed and how strong my fingers were all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's like if you're just an everyday climber and like you got to choose your motivational valleys and peaks where they come, you know? Yeah, yeah. You got to ride the like motivation wave. If, if you're not feeling it, like don't force it. What if you're on a month-long bouldering trip? Do you ever supplement with anything? I started to do like better warming up. Okay. Like I started warming up on a fingerboard a lot more because it, it's like um, consistent. Uh-huh. And if you warm up on a fingerboard in the same way every time, then you kind of know when you're warm. Mm. And that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Especially for sport climbing, I found that really valuable. Huh. Because usually like I found that sport climbing warm-ups can be like hit or miss. Like yeah. they're either like not going to warm you up or they're going to get way too pumped, way pump you out. Yeah. yeah. But you yeah. can totally dial it in with a fingerboard and it's like perfect. Huh. In um, addition to doing some climbing to warm up. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. I don't yeah. think you can just fingerboard and then jump on your proj. Yeah. But like doing something in addition to a warm up climb to get moving is really nice on a fingerboard. Okay. And bouldering as well. Like if you're going to like throw down on some crimps and your project is hard and you're going to be like playing as hard as you can on your crimps, like you don't want to just like. You want to a waste skin on some other crimps that are going to like, I don't know, for, <laughs> for me, like when you weigh as much as I do, you're, it's a ticking clock every time you grab a hold. <laughs> like I only have so much skin to, to damn, give, you know? Yeah. Have your guys don't necessarily have stronger skin. Probably. No. Fuck. I have terrible skin. It is <laughs> <That's> horrible. <unfair. laughs> it's definitely, there's nothing fair about climbing. Climbing is not fair. <laughs> I haven't thought too much about that. That's really interesting. Sean Bailey is not putting nearly as much pressure on his fingers. Yeah. Just pure pressure on the skin against the bones in his fingers yeah. that I am. Like, it's a different right. thing. Right. Maybe maybe your skin adapts to that. That's interesting. I've never gotten, like, calluses. Like, I've seen some people get calluses. Like, I can't get it. I can mm. put on, um, uh, what is this stuff called? The antihydral. Antihydral. Yeah, I can uh-huh. put on antihydral, like, every day for huh. two weeks and it won't make any difference seriously yeah it's Whoa. weird i'll have, i might have to sand a little bit near yeah. the end because it'll get really thick but it doesn't callous huh it's weird huh but like you know 
project clock is ticking when you're grabbing small holds. Like right. I'm going to bleed every time I max project mm -hmm. for sure. Any like go-to routines or things you're thinking about with like the fingerboard warm up? What do you like to do? I think you should like be trying hard. Okay. I think you should get to the point where you're trying hard on a fingerboard to warm Slowly up. Slowly work up and then do some like short max hangs sort of. Max hangs, but also find a fingerboard with really small holds. Okay. Like um, the, uh, what's the round tension board one that yeah, hangs the, on the string? The flashboard. Flashboard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That has like those two little like biter crimps mm -hmm. in the top of the sloper on the top of the thing mm -hmm. that are like really painful. I like to get to like a painful level where it like hurts and you're like, oh, okay. Like, I think I'm ready to like crimp now. Mm -hmm. Like you should be ready to like grab the worst hold on your project and like pull on it right away mm -hmm. after you've warmed up. Like you should feel like you're there. And like in the gym, when I would warm up for training, our warm up would be 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And we would like warm up to a max boulder. Hmm. So like you would, you would give a max boulder in a day, uh, proper send attempt to be like fully warm. So like if V10 was your max in the gym, I would probably climb at least one V9 really well. <laughs> yeah. Like throw down on a V9 or maybe even throw down on a V10 and do it if 10 is your max. Yeah. As your warm, like to finish your warm up. Then you're like warm. Then you rest for like 30 minutes or 20 minutes. Huh. Then you get into your like your training blocks, whatever they are. So you do that in like the commercial gym yep. and then go to the fingerboard and do the yep. maxings. Oh, yep. Okay. Interesting. Or if you just have a moon board or a moon board, um, you could just do like, you, you could warm up on the biggest holes on the moon board okay. and then maybe climb like a benchmark four, five, six, seven, eight, mm. nine or something like you just warm up like pretty well. Mm -hmm. Like the more warm you are, the better you're going to be at like a being consistent with knowing that your numbers are correct on your routine of whatever you're doing with campus mm -hmm. board, whatever um and be like it helps you uh not get injured mm -hmm. and it keeps you from like coming in like a little too cold so you don't like actually engage completely like you should be like ready to go mm -hmm. like when you're training like you're you're in it like you're you're ready to go mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when you're like power training like your maximum your maximum effort is after a good long rest like you're not like you shouldn't get on the hangboard if you're still tired from the previous workout. Okay. Like you should be like, in my experience, you should be like rested because mm -hmm. you're trying to get your maximum. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I have a few more questions about the fingerboard specific yeah. stuff. Yeah. So the fingerboard session, you've got the five by five that we talked about earlier. Yep. And then it sounds like you do some repeaters and other stuff after mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's come back to that. We'll, we'll stick with the five by five for now. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that, progression is worth doing if you're effectively starting on a jug like for me to do five sets of five seconds with a one arm i'd have to be basically on a jug like, like are you talking about the biggest edge like the deepest edge on the 1000 beast maker or are you talking about like, the wrap around jug? i mean it would be like at least a large campus rung oh that's fine okay yeah yeah you're fine okay like jess was doing them like when Jess first started like doing, like Jess was like a V2, V3 climber. Mm -hmm. um, and she would jump in every now and then and do like some of the workouts with us. And like, you know, obviously as like a beginner climber, let's just say, some stuff is just like impossible. Like you just can't do one arm hangs on anything when you're a beginner climber. You sure. just can't. Yeah. So like, yeah, if you have to supplement with like a band or something, that's fine too. 
or like you can touch like a part of the wall and like balance or whatever but like find what you can do so that you have a starting point that you can then like do perfectly mm. then you can level up from mm -hmm. i think that's like like it doesn't matter how small the hold is like it just matters that it's the hardest you can do mm -hmm. and that you can find some sort of like quantifiable number you can be like okay now i'm doing it with five pounds now i'm doing it with 10 pounds you know two weeks later you're doing a 20 pounds you're like oh my god i can level up to one worse hold mm -hmm. that's all that really matters okay if it's a band if you start with a band and then you go to no band and then you go to five pounds great so you typically jump in five pound increments or two and a half if you have the oh. weight for it. Okay. Like sometimes the gym has like the two and a half plates. Yeah. And you can go and like steal all the stuff from the weight room and like bring them over to your like little area. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's where you can like kind of have your weights. Like I usually, I think kettlebells are really nice. Yeah. Because they make the kettlebells in all the different sizes. And it's got a nice handle on it. Big handle. And yeah. if you're doing weighted repeaters, then they hang off your harness really easily. Uh-huh. Stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I guess uh, maybe a better question is when you're deciding how much weight to add, let's say I've done the five by five with really good technique. I'm ready to, to add some weight. How many seconds each set would be like the minimum that I should be able to do with that new weight? Does that question make sense? Yeah. Like if you level, like if you're doing no weight on a 20 millimeter edge yeah, and you want to put five pounds in your hand and see what you can do. Yeah. It's okay if you fail, but five seconds, like, I think you should try to aim for five seconds. Like if I can only do two seconds each rep, is that, should I go lighter and add less weight or? Well, ideally you wouldn't, there? you wouldn't get to that place because if you're starting on like a crimp that you can do with no weight mm -hmm. and you're successfully doing it for five sets of five seconds, if you add two and a half pounds in your hand, you're not just going to like suddenly be at two seconds. Mm -hmm. You're going to probably do the first four sets perfectly. Okay. And then the fifth one, you're going to be like, oh, whoa, God, I like suck right now. <laughs> okay. And you're going to do it for like two seconds. But then you'll see that increase and you just stick with two and a half pounds until you're ready to go okay. to five pounds or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Like make it your level, like bring everything to your level. Like that's what's hard when you're with a partner that's like at a different level because no one's ever going to be exactly the same but they're going to be like all over the place with their weight. You're going to be all over the place with your weight. Like it's just kind of a mess, but like you just can't get sucked into other people's performance sure. and what it means. Sure. Like some people can do crazy amounts of weighted pull-ups. Like they can just pull their full body weight with it hanging off of them and it's fine. Whereas you might only be able to do like 75 pounds or something. And that's mm -hmm. fine too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> doesn't mean that you're better at climbing than someone else. It just means that you're, you have a different strength. And like I, I was doing during COVID, I was like, I have a bunch of hangboards in my garage and I was just like, I set up like a pulley system and I had a haul bag and I brought a weight uh, scale down. And I filled it up with rocks until I like got the right weight and I just used the haul bag as my weight. Mm. So like, you just got to find what works as long as it's quantifiable. That's all that matters. Yeah. Like, and another thing too, is like, don't go into training half-assed. Like it's not going to work if you just do like a week here, a week there, you have to be like regimented and you also have to kind of like plan around it. Like I would be like, okay, I think I'm going to be home for six weeks, mm. not traveling, not doing anything. Like I'm going to try and actually get six weeks of dedicated training time in and like, you know, don't plan it over like Christmas. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. Like if you're in school, don't plan it over like, you know, the exams or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like make sure it's like a good time to train.
Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do it the whole way through, you won't have anything quantifiable from from it as a result. And you probably won't get, you might get a little stronger because you're actually doing something. But you won't get like the real gains that you get. Like lasting gains. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Can you describe the repeaters again? Yeah. So the repeaters were all based off of, uh, repeaters were all based on your test day numbers. Give me two seconds. I'll I'll pull up exactly what it is (laughs) because I have it all in my Google Drive. Um, This is going to be a two-part episode. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, there's the Emily Harrington part and then there's the training part. Exactly. I think I actually will split it up like that. Nice. Um, okay. About uh, about 45 minutes ago, I was like, we're, we're going. We're going. We're in it. We're in it. <laughs> yeah. This is so fun, dude. This is good. Yeah. I, I could talk about training all day long. Okay. So, please, Jess is like, I want dinner. <laughs> um, so, there's the five second, five sets of five seconds each on the 2000 middle edge. So, that like medium edge, mm-hmm. one-handed. There's the seven three repeaters. I was doing six reps on the two thousand outside edge. Um, that's just like your warm up repeater. Okay. No weight, just to get warm, to get set. a little like pumped. Just a normal seven three repeater. Okay. And then you do a half crimp. I was doing a half crimp Beastmaker two thousand small outside edge, weighted to failure on the sixth rep. So you want to basically fail at the end. That's the goal. And to one, find that max. Okay. One set of six reps. I was doing, yeah, 30, half crimp on the smallest edge. I was doing 35 pounds. Okay. Added weight. And then closed crimp, like you put your thumb over and you own the hold. Mm-hmm. Um, on the large edge, same thing. You're trying to fail on the sixth rep. Um, I was doing 75 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then you do three finger open, like the drag mm-hmm. on that same large edge. Or if it hurts too much, you can do the medium. What hold is that? That's on the 1,000 again? On the, It's one larger than the middle medium of the <laughs> 2,000. I don't know what the, what the millimeters are for those. Uh, okay. But yeah. they're the most comfortable. Like the tension board one hurts really bad. Okay. And the what's the progression? The progression board? Yeah. It's super sharp. So painful. Yeah. You got to find something you can like actually use repeatedly. Otherwise, uh, it's like horrible. Okay. And then three finger open. So that's a pretty big hold. Yeah. That one you're just describing. But you're putting a lot of weight on. Yeah. Like yeah. 75 pounds is a lot of weight. Totally. Yeah. On a full crimp. Yeah. Like a closed crimp. Yeah. yeah. And you're doing seven sets. So you're like, you're pumped. It it doesn't sound hard. When no, you it, throw it, down it, on it. It it's definitely hard. sounds hard. <laughs> it's definitely hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there, the different types of days are like, one's like a weighted bouldering day. One's a project pyramid day. Mm-hmm. Like kind of building up to the hardest. Um, on the moon board, um, like 10, 10 in a day. There's like these things that he called ANCAP intervals. Anaerobic which, capacity. Yep. Yeah. Which are um, like a problem that takes 45 to 60 seconds to climb. Um, you might have to add like moves into it to make sure it's like actually long enough. Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to be like smoked at the end. Mm. And if it takes like 45 seconds to climb it, you rest basically three to four times the amount of time that it takes to climb it. And then you get back on it and do it a second time. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like timer and stuff. And you do three of those or three sets of two, sorry. Um, just a lot of like stuff that was really specific to me and climbing the island. Cause okay. I was like, I want to climb the island. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, here, here's an idea of how I might be able to do that. <laughs> but then like your day would be your 
six week cycle or your eight week cycle, depending on how many you're doing, is basically like two easy weeks, two hard weeks, two easy weeks, two hard weeks. Oh. Or if you're doing six, you're doing two easy weeks, one hard, two easy, one hard. Okay. Or you're doing easy, hard, two easy, hard, one easy. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You're kind of just finding it's all about like uh, what you want. Uh-huh. Like it's all about what like your threshold is. And is easy versus hard just one day versus two? One day versus two days of the but week. But the similar session design. And the same thing on the weekend. Interesting. All the time. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But if like if you're not psyched and you're feeling like oh my God, my body is depleted. I can barely like function yeah. in society. <laughs> then you're like, okay, I need like an extra day. Or you just skip one entirely. Like it, it's not worth it to like ruin your life like, <laughs> because you're trying to stick to some stupid schedule. Like just do it the best you can uh-huh. or dial back your session if you think that you can't quite <clears throat> hang. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's basically it. Cool. I love this. Yeah, yeah. I could talk about <laughs> it so, forever, I'm dude. So I got so psyched on it. Like we... I mean, when you get psyched, you like go on Amazon, you buy a timer, you buy a weight vest, uh-huh. you get a harness that you can hang weight off of. You have like your kit. I had like a gym duffel bag. I was wearing like sweatpants and stuff. You know, I was like a, I was like, like a boxer, like training. I felt like, I felt cool. Like it feels cool. It gives you purpose because when you go to the gym, like a lot of people just go to the gym and like climb on boulders, you know? Totally. And they're just like, oh, today I'm going to like try the red V8 in the corner again. And maybe it'll work, maybe not. Or maybe I'll climb on the tension board a little bit or like whatever. Uh But this is like, I am like coming to the gym to win. Mm. And I'm like eating better. I'm like Mm. more hydrated. I'm like taking supplements and stuff. And I'm like, you know, like trying to get the right amount of rest. And I'm like, you know, everything just like starts to like make more sense. And I think this is applicable for a V5 climber and it's applicable for a V14 climber. Hmm. I think it works universally. Hmm. You just have to like, find out your little tweaks for your style yeah, or your skill level. How to scale it for you. And also a, a really good friend to do it with <laughs> or a significant other. <laughs> like it, uh, I, the days that you're there alone because like your partner is like doing like some work or, yeah. or traveling or something, it's, it's sad. Yeah. And it's hard to get motivated. Yeah. And like, like I was training a bunch with Alex Biale and like if he missed the day and I was in the gym I would like text him like, this is what I just did. Like, this is my repeater. Like, this is my moonboard day. And he'd be like, sick. You know what I mean? Like, and then he would do the same with me if I miss a day. Yeah. Like it was like your corner. Yeah. You need like, you need someone on your side. Okay. At least I did. Mm -hmm. And I think he did as well. So like, I think it starts to make sense that way. Do you have thoughts on training on the moonboard versus tension board versus kilter board? I've only, I've climbed one time on a kilter board in my whole life and it was two days ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I thought it was sick. Okay. I think for big power and like long moves and good holds that aren't tweaky, that's like game changer. Okay. Um, I don't train a lot on tension board. I've only climbed on it a few times. Uh I didn't, I don't like the wood for some reason. I I don't know. I just never got into the wood. Um, I've I've climbed a bit on the Beastmaker walls that they have in Europe. Like a lot of Mm. European gyms have Beastmaker walls that are like, kind of like the old schoolyard or um, schoolhouse wall, but like commercialized basically. Mm-hmm. And that one's a little more comfy and like repeatable and like you can climb on it a lot. But I find that the tension edges like really hurt on the hard climbs. They're sharp. They're sharp. Yeah. yeah. They like kind of get you. Yeah. And I, my skin is not good for that for some reason. I don't yeah. Know. But I like, I got obsessed with the moonboard okay. just because it has so much 
set on it. Mm-hmm. And there are so many climbs. Like I think there's like, I mean, there must be 600 benchmarks or something like that. Mm-hmm. 500 benchmarks. Like <laughs> you've done all but six of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and they're just like tweaky and weird. I don't like whatever. Like I'm never going to do black beauty, uh-huh. but I can do the other like 12 or whatever. Okay. Like there's one V13 that Daniel put up. That's like so whack. I can like not physically get in the position. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's all we could do a whole podcast on moonboarding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I think like, just find the tool that you're psyched on. Mm. That's the most important thing. Like okay. if you're, if you have a tension board, you can do all this on a tension board, mm-hmm. but you might just have to get like a little creative or wear a weight vest or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit and this mm-hmm. is hundred percent self-serving, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll benefit people too. I am depending on the COVID situation. I am hoping to spend two solid months in Waco this winter. Cool. And I've never been. I've always wanted to go. And I think that style will really serve me. That's that's what I'm really bad at and mm-hmm. haven't done much of. Okay. And <clears throat> I want to do stuff there. I mean, I want to try, um, I want to pick something really hard and sink my teeth in and into it and also try to do a bunch of classics, but it's a training trip. Like mm-hmm. I want to treat it as training for sport climbing projects later in the spring. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Do you have any any insight or recommendations for how to approach that? Well, if you're going to use it for sport climbing, you might as well just get as much power as you can out of the trip. And then when you get back, just live in the gym and build your endurance because hmm. you're going to have pl- that strength is going to translate to your sport climbing project cruxes way easier than just getting endurance. Like if you already have power, power takes a long time to get like way longer than endurance. Like if you wanted to really hammer endurance you could do two a day endurance training sessions for a month and you're you're psyched Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're like in it then you're like you're learning how to like rest and you're getting better resting and your your endurance goes through the roof Mm -hmm. but like power takes months so i would just use it to get your power and then hopefully you can come out of that and just train your endurance you'd be set Mm -hmm. but like what what's your project like what are you psyched on do you have anything in mind i do and this is like i mean i've climbed maybe eight or nine V10s at this point, but I really want to pick something very hard. It's actually interesting what you spoke to earlier. Like this fits right in line with that. I want to try martini, right? Cool. And just try it like one or two days a week for two months and see what happens, you know, yeah. and mix another stuff, but yeah, maybe, maybe have like one day on that per week and then try some V10s or something, some other days. I would pick a few projects. Yeah. Like I would pick like four or five that you're psyched on that are in your wheelhouse that you think you might be able to do, mm-hmm. but that are hard because like Waco is also a little bit whack. Cause you need to like go to that place with a tour or you have to have reservations or whatever is going to happen. You may or may not get to your proj mm. every time you want to go. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have options at different places. So you can like always go to your option, mm-hmm. but like I would go into it, not expecting to do well at all on any of them <laughs> right away. Mm-hmm. Like I never expect to like do anything other than like start learning some moves. Mm-hmm. And then once you've like really learned some moves, then you can like start thinking about like executing. And then if you have like a sick day, you could like send two or three of them in a day mm-hmm. if you're having like a good day because you've already worked them down to you've made them like attainable. Right. Like if your project is full service and you figure out all the moves, then you know you know you can do all of them it's just going to take time to string them all together because you just need the power endurance or whatever mm. so like just 
learning all the moves quickly so that you can start to string them together and having options if you can't go one place or the other and learning the like time that they're in the sun and the best conditions and like you know all the stuff that goes along with like having a proj mm-hmm. in a weird place like waco <laughs> is nice to have like options okay yeah if you were doing that for yourself, would they all be similar difficulty? Would you have a couple that were a little bit more attainable? How would you think about balancing those things? Depends on what you're most psyched on. If you're motivated by lines uh-huh. and you're motivated by like the coolness of one boulder that you've put on a pedestal in your mind is like, this is the most badass thing in the world. Like let's say diaphanous C is your project, right? And you're just like, this is the coolest climb in the world. Then definitely put all of your energy into that one because that's going to be like the one you're most psyched on. But like if you bump into like another climb, you're like, oh yeah, that thing, that's really cool too. Like I could put in a little bit of time and like project shop a little bit. It's nice to like feel it out and see if it's attainable. Cause like V10 is V10 for some people. It might not be V10 for you. It might be really attainable for you just because it's v10 doesn't mean it's v10 right <laughs> like <laughs> like i i have walked up to like so many climbs that are like you know great in a certain way and i'm thinking to myself oh because it's v13 like i'm not going to be able to throw it down in a day but then like i just realize right away as i'm climbing on i'm like oh my god i'm strong right now i feel good right now like this is my style of climb it fits me perfectly like i think i could just like throw it down mm. and sometimes you just do it Like Mm -hmm. you might walk right up to Martini because you're trained for it and you might just throw it down Mm -hmm. or you like realize you have to like put in the time. Mm -hmm. And if you think it's not attainable and you don't feel like you're making any gains day after day on it, if you put it in like five sessions and you're still not doing a move or whatever, you might just be like, okay, cut my losses Mm -hmm. back to the other thing that I was looking at that I was interested in trying that I've worked a little bit on that I think I can do. Like, I mean, you can always come back stronger too. Mm-hmm. Like if something doesn't work and you're not like feeling it that trip, you can always come back stronger knowing exactly what you need to do to execute. And I think that makes a big difference. Like not getting too attached is kind of important. Yeah. And it's, I'm just curious to see how much progress I can make on something like that in a trip because it is a training trip. Like that's, yeah. I want to keep that framework in my mind so that I'm not attached to the result. Two months will definitely get you to the top of that thing. <laughs> like I for mean, sure. I've never climbed a V11. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope so. Yeah. Find, find one. Mm-hmm. Like it, I mean, if, if you can deal with the ego blow of not doing well on something right away, mm-hmm. then just like start throwing yourself at something. And if it's like, if you know, it's your style, you like all the holds, you know, the movements are like in your wheelhouse, then for sure you can like bring it to your level. Hmm. And you might surprise yourself. It might not be V11 for you. It might be Mm. way easier or it might be like totally impossible. You just have to like go and play around on it to figure it out. Like I was talking to Sean uh, Rabbitu the other day in Yosemite about this. And someone was like asking him how he got so good. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, well, (laughs) he's like, I mean, he already started out as like a strong climber, but he was basically like, I climb with the world's best climbers often. Hmm. He was like, I session with like Daniel Woods and Giuliano on V15s and V16s all the time. And he's like, he doesn't do them all the time. He just like sessions on them, you know? And like, sometimes he does one and that's like sick, but like you get better from like realizing your potential through like working with, you know, what you got, but also being motivated by people you're around. So like Hmm. 
find someone else that's psyched on a V10 or a V11 that wants to do the same session that you do mm -hmm. or whatever your project is anywhere you are on a trip and just get like, get in it with that person too. Mm -hmm. Cause then if you're in it together and you kind of like feel it and you're like pushing each other and motivating each other, it can be like really awesome. Hmm. That can go way further than just beating your head against the wall alone on this like solo mission to climb this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it makes a big difference. Hmm. I don't know. I, I was, I was surprised. Sean was like, first of all, I don't think Sean has put a lot of thought into this, but I also think that like, he's probably just like, yeah, like he already has a lot, a lot of natural strength and skill and he's really strong. But like, what I think he was saying was that like, when he goes climbing with like Daniel or Jimmy or Nale or whoever he's climbing with, you just kind of like, you kind of feed off the energy and like, you realize that it's possible. Hmm. It would be a different scale for you. Mm -hmm. You'd have to find someone that climbs V10 or V11 that you're like psyched to climb with. But like, at least you can feed off them and feel kind of the energy of like projecting together. Cause man, it goes a long way. I was trying the big Island with Josh Larson mm -hmm. and we were just like, so psyched. <laughs> we were just like over the top psyched, like beyond psyched. And it goes a long way to like, I don't know, just have someone else with this common goal working towards like a common objective. It's like, it's awesome. Hmm. It, go, hmm. it goes way further than most people say. Same thing with training, right? Like if you're doing it alone, oh man, it's rough. <laughs> Same with bouldering. Like bouldering is supposed to be like a fun thing you do with like your friends too. Yeah. Like it goes a long way. Yeah. If you were in my shoes for that trip, would you mix in uh, volume climbing, easier stuff? Or would you just hammer the hard stuff pretty much every climbing day? Depends on what your body is used to and what you can handle. Okay. Like for me, like if I project really hard on like a on like my limit boulder, I usually need like if I'm ready to send, I need a couple of days of rest after trying it for two hours. Hmm. But if it was, you know, eight years ago, I could maybe <laughs> put in, you know, two different sessions on two different hard boulders in the same day, rest the day, and then do the same thing the next day. Hmm. Like it just depends on where you're at in your recovery, how you feel strong, where you're at in the process of projecting, like your first day, you're probably going to be able to climb like the next day afterwards or two days after, because you're just going to like be sussing some moves and like figuring some stuff out, but you're not going to be like giving it send attempts probably mm -hmm. if it's at your limit. Mm -hmm. But if it is at your limit and you're like ready to send, you need to be kind of tactical, you know? Maybe you take a couple extra days of rest if you if your body is telling you you need it or whatever. Mm -hmm. As I get older, I need more and more rest. It's crazy. <laughs> it's really frustrating. But like you do come back like from two days of rest and you're like, oh my God, I'm really strong. And I my muscle memory is like really fresh. Mm. Like you're ready to go. Like we were just in, um, Justin and I were just in Mill Creek and I was trying this thing called the bleeding. Yeah. And 14B. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it's basically just like a power endurance That's climb. Amazing. Like, yeah, it's like 30 feet of like, I don't know, it's like a 13 into like a V9 or something like that. Okay. And I was like, I kept getting closer and closer and closer, but then I like slowly started like declining. Mm -hmm. And I realized it was just because I needed like four or five rest days. Huh. I just didn't take enough rest and it's a powerful climb. So I was just getting like shut down because of the power hmm. and I just didn't have enough time to rest in that trip. So it's just like, you have to be like economical with your time. Hmm. Right on. I've got a few, uh, I think it's time to start wrapping up. We've been talking for sure. ages, but this yeah. has been so interesting. Nice. Good. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I've got a few, uh, kind of rapid fire questions for you. Yep. Do you have a favorite first ascent that you've done? 
one that you're most proud of or just a, a gem that kind of stands out? I just did this really cool boulder that I thought was really, really fun and awesome during COVID okay. at Mount Evans called, uh, I called it King's Landing. Mm. Um, a friend of mine and I, we built this like landing with this huge log that took us like a whole day to get in position and Jess helped build a landing too. <laughs> we all like kind of chipped in and it's like super high ball and it's like way in the back of like Mount Evans. It's like pretty remote feeling, the most beautiful view anywhere. It's like totally crazy it's on my instagram you can check it out cool um but it's just like a really really good v10 like a five-star v10 amazing it was an awesome climb (laughs) and i was just like wow like this is like when you're projecting at your limit for a really long time and then you like go and you like put up a new climb and you're like oh like this is like a totally different type of gratification Hmm. from like a fa it's like really awesome Hmm. i don't know I've, i've done like tons of fas like all over the place but like I don't know. I think first ascents are probably more memorable to me than most climbs hmm. that I'm repeating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Do you have any routines that keep you grounded when you're traveling? Good food. Okay. Cool restaurants, like getting out and like experiencing the culture wherever I'm going is really important. I've also, <laughs> I've kind of made it a point to try and get a haircut and a um, do an interesting like bath experience <laughs> in the culture that i'm in so like uh i don't know i've been to like 40 different <laughs> countries and every, every different country i've been to i've tried to like do the traditional like bath like whether it's in russia or japan or wherever there's always like a traditional bath that happens and it's uh-huh. really fun it's like kind of like a spa kind of thing yeah it's also very fun relaxing rest day thing <laughs> yeah um and then i also try and get a haircut which is really funny in every country that i go to <laughs> that's amazing you just try and like live like the like experience like the culture the you know yeah. yeah 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 i love it <laughs> is there an underrated or maybe just under the radar film from louder than 11 that's that you think people should watch from louder than 11 um i think the thing that the we made a film called the abyss which okay. was all about like uh climbing in uh this area at mount evans that no one goes to because mm. it's kind of like out of the way and there's like it never got like the buzz from like all the like pro climber dudes that would go there and like make it buzzworthy by climbing v14s mm-hmm. but we i like spent two seasons up there just like climbing like crazy on like all these awesome first ascents and it was super fun we made a film about it cool um but it's like an hour of like climbing in the mountains and it's like pretty and it's alpine and it's just really cool and then like at the end uh ben spanith does the first ascent of this really amazing tower called doubloons mm. it's like sick like rock pinnacle like at thousand feet it's really cool cool yeah cool cool i'll link to that one yep what are the films that are coming out this year that people can look forward to i guess first what's come out recently that people can go watch deep water we just yep. put out recently we filmed it in 2018 film. but it's out now okay um and that's pretty sweet that's pretty fun we did a little thing with chris widener on his little diamond project that was like a total passion project just happened to be like we went up and supported him for the day and it was just fun to like hang with a bro in the mountains cool and coming out soon we did this crazy shoot for charlotte's web the cbd brand Hmm. we just did some commercials but we did this one one of the commercials that we did for them was we brought a CBD vending machine. It was like an eight foot tall vending machine. That was like a digital readout. You like touch screen and it dispenses this like CBD stuff, yeah. different like uh, 
lotions and like balms and stuff. Okay. But we brought it to the top of Castleton Tower in Moab. <laughs> I like hauled it up in all these different pieces. It was really crazy. <laughs> Um, so we did like a stunt with Charlotte's web and it was really cool. And we had, um, Chris and Heather Widener were climbing on, uh, uh, the ivory tower. Mm. Thanks Jess. Mm. And, uh, and it's like an amazing 513 a thing on, on Castleton. Mm -hmm. And then they like go and interact with the device on the summit. It's really cool. It's only like a 30 second commercial, but it's sick. <laughs> and it took us an immense amount of effort. Like, oh my God, it was so fun though. We we just like toiled in the desert in the heat. It was cool. Cool. So that'll be coming out in like probably January. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is one that I ask everybody. What is something that you've been feeling grateful for lately? Just family and closeness to family lately. Cause we've just been like, Jess and Jerry and I have just been like hanging out in the apartment and like, <laughs> kind of going crazy and then we finally got to like go visit friends and like hang with emily and adrian and those guys in the valley and it was just like i just felt really grateful for friends and family and puppies awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean COVID is really whoo COVID's hard for yeah. friendships yeah. and family yeah it's really hard yeah, yeah but i think like i don't know once you have your pod and you can make some specific goals and like try to like be safe within them i think it's pretty awesome to hang out with friends cool yeah. right on final question mm -hmm. and this is this might be a tough one i'm putting you on the spot but mm -hmm. uh what is left ahead of you that you hope to accomplish both with your career and storytelling with louder than 11 and i'd love to hear about the same question but for your own climbing i mean for for work for louder than 11 i i would really like to just see this feature film through i've never tackled something so big and fully encompassing of like every skill that I have. And also like to tell that story well and do Emily justice is what I would really like to do in the next couple of years with that film. Hmm. Um, big picture though. I mean, I just want to like keep doing what's keeping me psyched, like whatever stories are happening that are interesting and entertaining and climbing and expedition and adventure based. I just want to be involved in that. Like that's what gets me psyched. Um, so yeah, that's like, that's what I'm probably interested in for, you know, business stuff, but for climbing, I would say like, I'm just psyched on finding hard climbs that are the best in the world. Hmm. That's what like, and the best in the world would just be, you know, beautiful lines that are challenging for me that are going to take some work that are going to be rewarding and are tall, proud, beautiful, singular five-star lines. Like that's what I'm most psyched on. And like, New as you, stuff. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And as I get older, like I just, I don't know, I just have less and less time for low balls, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. You just like kind of, you want to pick your battles and they want to be, they want to feel awesome. Hmm. Well, thanks so much, man. Yeah. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for working as hard as you do on these films and sharing these stories with us. I've been so inspired by so many of your films. It's been really fun to see your brand evolve and this business evolve over the years and to see what it's become. And I can't wait to see the feature film. So thanks. Oh, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's why I do it. Awesome. I do it because it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah, man. Right on. Cool. Well, cheers, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Hey. 
Hey, friends, before you go, I just wanted to let you know that I put some of John's training resources in the show notes so you can get a visual. As I listened back, I realized the hangboard repeaters conversation got a little confusing. So I emailed John and he sent me a screenshot of his training log and I put that at the top of the show notes so you can see exactly what he was doing. I also typed up some examples of his different training days and training weeks and his six-week training block. So you guys have a visual for those as a reference. You can find all the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. There's the support the podcast button at the top of the screen if you feel like helping out. Keep your eyes out for another follow-up this week. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We got the rise of